Hey, welcome to Church Experience. Thank you so much for spending some time with us today. So excited for today's service. But before we jump into that, I wanna welcome you. If it's your first time with us at CE, we would love to connect with you. The best way for us to do that is if you head over to churchexperience.tv connect. It's also a great place to go at any point during today's service. If you have any questions, comments, prayer requests, love to hear from you, love to get back to you, and we would love to be praying for you. Well, that being said, we're ready to dive in. Would you stand with me as we sing some songs of praise to our Heavenly Father?
darkness still stands Great is your faithfulness Faithfulness I'm still in your hands This is my confidence You've never failed Your promise still stands Great is your faithfulness Faithfulness I'm still in your Father, we just come before you. First off, just to thank you for all that you've done, all that you've did, and all that you will continue to do in our lives, Lord. Your grace and mercy are new every day. And Father God, we've seen you move mountains. And we just pray, Lord, that you would move any mountain that is before us. Father God, you're a God that goes before us. And I just pray that you would do it again, Lord. Move in our lives like you've done. Change hearts, Father God. I pray that whoever hears the word or message today, Lord, Lord, you speak to their hearts, that you know exactly what they need to hear. Father God, only you know. I pray for healing. Father God, heal where people feel weak. Make them whole. And I just pray this, Lord. Move mountains. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. One morning, my wife Jennifer and I woke up to the sound of rain, but unfortunately, it was not rain outside our house. It was raining inside our house, and you know it's going to be a really bad day when you wake up to rain inside your home. Well, the water was coming from our second floor bathroom right next to our bedroom. A toilet had been flushed in the middle of the night, and water had been flowing for a long time, and now it was raining on our kitchen floor below us. And we woke up to this sound, and the only reason that we slept through this sound was because we had been up the night before with a flooded basement. Two days in a row, 
Two floods back to back. Our sump pump had backed up in our Michigan basement and our floor was soaking wet. And so my wife at eight months pregnant, like pregnant, pregnant, she's down there with me pulling up carpet, pushing away furniture, trying to save anything we can from water damage. And our house was a mess. Flood one night, the second day, the water had run the ceilings in our kitchen and come down to run our floors in our, our kitchen. It just, the whole thing, the whole house overnight had become a fixer-upper. And if you've ever been a part of a fixer-upper, there's a lot of work to be done before you get the house fully renovated. Well, unknown to us, this, this whole fixer-upper was a preparation for our house in Florida, the one we've been living in now for over seven years, because twice in our house in Florida, there's been a pipe that has burst behind the wall, causing water damage in at least one room. Now, ordinarily, that would have messed us up, and we would have been, oh, this is terrible, this is bad news, and, and of course, we were disappointed, but, but it was nothing compared to our whole house being destroyed in Michigan, so, you know, we took it in stride. You know, pipe bursts, water comes through the floor, we're like, all right, I guess we got a renovation in this room, but thankfully, it's just a room, and we'll renovate it. And you know what? That's happened to us multiple times where we've had to renovate a room. We've, we've had some fixer-uppers in our life. And, and maybe for you, you've experienced the work that goes into a fixer-upper before, and you've learned like we have that a fixer-upper is a lot of work, but it's so rewarding when you're done because it's new and improved. It's better than it was before. And in this new teaching series called Fixer Upper, we want you to imagine the relationships in your life like a home, a home that needs some work. And, and maybe you have a real fixer-upper on your hands. You have a marriage in distress. Maybe you have some work relationships that are in ruins. But no matter whether it's a fixer-upper or you just have some small tweaks that you hope will take you to higher peaks, our hope is that as you renovate the different rooms in your life relationally, whether it be your work relationships or your home relationships. Maybe it's your social life or your church relationships. But whatever relationship room needs renovating in your life, our hope is that with God's help, that fixer-upper can become better, new and improved. With God's word, doing it God's way, you will see God do some incredible work in your relationships. And so we hope you'll stick with us each and every week as we work on the relationships in our life and see God do some incredible renovations. Well, Proverbs chapter 14 in God's word says, the wise woman builds her house, but with her own hands, the foolish one tears hers down. And it gives us a contrasting example of two different women. A wise one who builds her home, probably through her words, through her modeling, her teaching, her actions, the way she serves, she, she builds up her house. But a foolish woman with her own hands, she tears her house down. Now, we've all been the foolish person in our relationships at one time or another. And we've ruined some things in our relationships, or perhaps you've ruined an entire relationship through things that were said or done. Maybe you look at the relationship rooms in your life across the board and you say, you know what, Brandon, I have a real fixer-upper. I've got a lot of work that needs to be done, Pastor, and I, and I need some prayer. I, I have a lot of work that needs to be done in these rooms in my relationship world. 
Well, one thing I've learned, I've owned four houses in my life. We owned the first house when we were 24 and we've moved a few times. And so four different houses, some newer, some older. But there's one lesson I've learned that no matter the condition or the age of the house, every home, every home requires constant maintenance and repairs. There's always something that needs to be tweaked. There's always something that needs to be fixed. And so even if the relationships in your life today are in good shape, and praise God if they are, even if they're in pretty good shape, with God's help this month, we hope that you'll take those good relationships and make them great, that you'll make them better. Because wherever they are now, even if they're a full-on fixer-upper and every room in your life needs some work, or even if there's just one relationship that you think you can make better, with God's help, we're going to see some great things happen this month. And then just like with a critical home repair, you want to go to an expert home builder to get advice. In the area of relationship improvement, we want to go to the expert, which, of course, is God. And I would like to point out Psalm 127, verse 1, where it says this very important truth. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord builds it, we're building in vain in the relationship work that needs to be done in our life. We don't want to just make a pretty room in our life in a good relationship. That's, that's a good goal in itself, but we want to have God-pleasing relationships. We want God to be pleased with what we build in our relationships, and we need his wisdom to help. And so, so here's the lesson. God has the blueprints for relationship improvements. God has the blueprints. He's the master builder. He has all wisdom. And he tells us in James chapter 1, verse 5, if you need wisdom, ask, and God will give it to you generously. So what wisdom do you need in your relationships right now? But in all these things, my, my point is really just an illustration to say this. As you get greater wisdom, as you learn knowledge about yourself, about other people, about relationships, and most importantly, wisdom from God's word. As you learn about how God has fearfully and wonderfully made you and made others around you, it's gonna open up your eyes to how your relationships can be better. And that's our hope in this teaching series is that God will help all your relationships to be so much better. And whether you have a fixer-upper on your hands and you have multiple rooms that need some work, or maybe you just have some good relationships that you want to make great. What is it in your life, relationally, that you want to fix up this month? Let's focus on that. Let's run after that with everything we've got. And let's ask for God's help in improving the relationship rooms in our life. Well, this week, we're going to take a solid look at the work relationships in our life. And I, I don't know if your work these days is schoolwork or if it's work in an office somewhere, or maybe your work at home. But whatever those work relationships look like in your life, I know this. I know that they can sometimes be very challenging. Work relationships can sometimes bring about such conflict and problems in our life. And, and maybe you're dealing with some of those right now. And I want to equip you today with God's word to know how to overcome the relationship problems at work. And so if you will, I want you to power on your Bible. If you haven't already, open up. Look with me together at the book of Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2, we're going to begin in verse 15. 
Notice something very interesting. God gave work before sin entered the world. It says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. How interesting. Before sin entered the world, God gave people work. So work itself is not a bad thing. We think it's a bad thing. We're always trying to get out of work. We're trying to get out of work at the end of the day. We're trying to get out of work at the end of the week so the weekend can come. We're trying to get out of work and retire and just be done with it altogether. But work is actually a good thing. It was a gift from God. It itself was not meant to be the curse. The gift of work was actually a present from God because he knew that we needed purpose. And he wanted us to have something to do with our hands and our minds something beneficial. But I want you to notice something else in Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, after sin had entered the world, notice verse 17. It says, to Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and you ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. So they disobeyed God. They broke that relationship. Sin entered the world. It says this, he says, cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. From dust you are, and to dust you will return. There's two things that are happening here that are really important to know. One is death starts to reign over life. He says, you're going to return to the dust that you came from. In other words, you're going to die. At some point, you're going to die, and your, your body's going to break down, and the things in the world are going to break down. I mean, sin enters the world, and it changes everything. And it's because of that we have the great need for the, the good news of Jesus. See, Jesus came to conquer death, to bring victory over death, that even, even though we're going to die, we can live because we live in Christ, because Jesus came to put sin to death to conquer death, so that death loses its sting, so that when we die, we, we no longer are dead, eternally, spiritually separated from God, but we're resurrected to new life, eternal life in heaven, because Jesus came to earth to die and give his life so that we can live. And his death on that cross, when we receive the payment he made for our sin, for our transgressions, when we receive that and receive forgiveness, it's such an amazing thing, the amazing grace of God through his son, Jesus. We're forgiven and we can find true life. That's the whole mission of our church, to help people experience a full life in Jesus Christ. And that's why Jesus came. And you see that happening here, the beginning of the need for Jesus to come because things start to break down and death starts to reign. And it's not until Jesus comes that, that that's reversed and Life starts to win over death once again. Well, Jesus is the foundation of every renovation, every construction project in your life. You always start with the foundation, right? I mean, if you're, you're building a skyscraper or you're building a garage in your backyard, you always start with the foundation. And Jesus is the foundation. Understanding the gospel that, that sin ruins things in my life. And without the grace of God, without the forgiveness that he offers, without his presence in my life that's accessed through Jesus, then I have no real hope long-term in having life win 
in my relationships, true life, the life that is only found in Christ. And, and I need his wisdom. I need God. And so that's an important place to start. But there's something else that's interesting that's happening here in Genesis. Not only is he to say you're going to return to dust because of sin, there's death's going to enter the world. But, but he also says this is very interesting. Very interesting. He says, cursed is the ground because of you. Because, because of the sin, your work. Remember, he had already given them work. He said, go, go work the land that I've given you. But he said, now he says, your work is going to be difficult. It's going to be painful. You're not going to always enjoy it. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat. In other words, in other words work is going to be a struggle from this time on. And it's really helpful to know that when you have struggles in the, in the work room in your life relationally, that it's not always you. And, and really, it's not always them. It's sin. It's sin that's in the, the bloodstream of the human race. It's, it's, it's sin that's in the water, the water cooler at work. It's, it's everywhere. It's, it's sin that's in our humanity. And without Christ, we really have no hope. We'd spiral into it, a terrible, horrible place, and we can see signs of it all around in our world of violence and poverty and brokenness and marriages splitting up and kids growing up neglected and people hurting and even killing each other and wars. And you, you see the signs of the sin that has entered into the human race and ruined relationships. But thank God, that's not the end of the story. Even though sin started breaking down relationships in the very beginning, God has a plan to rebuild, reconstruct, and restore the relationship rooms in our life, even when they're very painful and difficult, which can often happen in the workplace. I want to point out a, a passage in 2 Corinthians. If you want to look on the screen with me here, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning in verse 17. Take a look at this. It says, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Now, let me just pause for a second. Our light and momentary troubles. I know when you have stress in the workplace, there's conflict. Maybe it's a a supervisor, coworker that's bothering you, maybe a new employee that you just, they've ruined everything and you just can't get along with them. Like whatever those tensions are that exist in the work room of your life, they don't seem light and momentary, do they? <laughs> they, don't, they don't seem like that at all. They seem intense and they seem urgent. But I want you to look back at the next verse. He says, in verse 17, he talks about the light and momentary troubles that are achieving for us something that outweighs them all. Verse 18, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So in other words, he says, we want to fix our eyes on something greater, the eternal. And he says the eternal outweighs what we do see, the temporary. And he calls these troubles light and momentary, but, but Paul knew about intense struggle. He had people literally trying to put him to death for teaching the good news about Jesus. He'd been thrown in prison. I mean, he had a lot of bad days. <laughs> you could say that he had a bad day around the office more than once. But, but Paul, he says, those light and momentary troubles, he's not trying to minimize them. He's trying to elevate something else. He's saying the, the greater significance, the thing that's gonna last more, the thing, the word he used, the thing that outweighs all these other troubles is what's eternal, what's gonna last. 
What's forever? You know, it's interesting now that we're in this era of, you know, COVID and the pandemic that we've been in for the last two years. It's interesting to hear people talk about sickness now because before the pandemic, man, somebody in the workplace, they would get sick and, and they're looking for an excuse to call off work, right? I mean, they got a little cold and it's like barely a little sniffles and they're like, all right, I can't come in this week. And, and then and then after COVID, to hear them talk about the same sickness, they're like, oh man, it's just a cold. Don't worry, it's, it's not COVID. <laughs> they're, they're apologizing left and right. I mean, don't worry, man, I got tested. It's not COVID, it's just a cold. And they're there and rolling up their sleeves. They're happy to be at work. It's, it's not COVID, it's just a cold. It's funny how the perspective changes. In one, one instance, it's like, it's a big deal. And then now it's like, not that big of a deal. Your perspective can change so rapidly. Your perspective is, is the point from which you view things. Your point of view, from where you view things, how you view things. And if we could get God's perspective, a higher perspective on our problems relationally in the workplace, it's going to lead to some transformation in our relationships in the workplace. Because God does want you to see people that you work with differently, probably a lot differently than you have been seeing them. Because God views them in an elevated way from what we see them. See, we see problems. We look around, we see problems in people. We might even see people as the problem. But God doesn't see people as the problem. He sees the problems in people, but he doesn't see people as the problem. See, God views every person as a treasure, a treasure worth giving the life of his son for which he willingly did because he loved you so much. As it says in Romans 5, while you were in your sin. So while, while you were still rebelling against God, he loved you so much that he sent his son Jesus to be a sacrifice for your sins. And so when he looks at us and he looks at our coworkers and our classmates, he doesn't see problems, not people as problems. He just sees the problem in people, which is sin. And he has a solution for that. But he also sees the problems that happen in conflict when pride arises in people and when the drama that happens in the classroom or in the workplace. And there's wisdom that he can offer, but the, the biggest thing that he can do to help you overcome those issues is to adjust your perspective. And that's how Paul could say these light and momentary troubles. They weren't light. They weren't momentary in the moment. But Paul said there's something that outweighs all these things, and he's using weight. He's saying it's light here, even though it feels heavy. It's really light when you compare it to the greatness of God. See, as you elevate the greatness of God, this is why worship and praise is so important. And I'm concerned a lot of people got out of the habit of corporately praising and worshiping together during COVID. You know, it's like, I'll, I'll just watch online. I'll catch it later. Or, or, you know, that's all right. I'll just, I'll catch a podcast or something. And they're just missing out on the community for one relationally that happens in the context of the church. But so often they're missing out on that dynamic of God's people coming together and assembling in worship. Because when we worship together, we lift up and magnify the name of God. And when you lift up the name of God, you start to see, wow, God, your name outweighs this heavy burden that I've been wearing, carrying with me. And, and this burden that used to seem so big and so heavy, when I compare it to God, I look right over it and right beyond it and I see the greatness of God. And in my worship and my praise, when I declare how great he is, it's amazing what happens to my problems. They start to minimize. And I don't minimize them as if they're insignificant, but they minimize in size, as Paul says, in weight. They're light. 
We, we think it's going to ruin the rest of our life, but we start to see it as momentary because we see this eternal, vast God, this all-powerful God who has literally eternity waiting for us in paradise. And we say, you know what? This is a momentary problem. And you know what? I might have this pain in my hip the rest of my life, but it's a momentary problem. And you know what, that workplace problem, I might have that problem as long as my supervisor is on the job and he might, he might never quit. He might never retire. I might retire before he does. I might, this might be a forever problem, but we start to say, you know what, this is a momentary. This is a light and momentary problem because I have a God that's so much bigger. So your perspective starts to change when you view things the way that God views them. And now Jesus said some pretty radical things when it comes to this. He said some things like love, love your enemies. How am I supposed to love my enemy in the classroom that's bullying me? It's always causing problems. How, how am I supposed to love that deceitful person that I work with or that rude person, that person that's always unkind, the passive aggressive person is always making rude comments? Like how am I supposed to love my enemy in that kind of difficulty in the workplace? Well, Jesus empowered us to forgive because he modeled it. He even forgave the people that were persecuting him and executing him on the cross. He said, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. And he said, if you want your sins to be forgiven by your Father in heaven, then you must forgive those who sin against you. It's, it's only by viewing this greater eternal God, this something that outweighs what feels like such a massive offense that someone's offended me or hurt me so greatly. And it seems so heavy and weighty in the moment. But I look over it and I say, you know what? God, you're so much greater. And your purposes are so much more eternal than this light and momentary problem in my life in this moment. See, God starts to change your perspective and you start to see one of our passions here at Church Experiences, everyone matters. And you start to see that, that people matter because they matter to God. You start to get his perspective. And, and, and as you start to see things the way God sees them, it doesn't change the position of that person in your life. Just because you start to love your your supervisor that's always giving you troubles or that classmate that's always making it hard for you to get your schoolwork done, they don't change their position in your life just because you start loving them a lot of times. They may remain a problem for you. But when you change your posture toward them, something radical happens inside of you. You start to see them as someone loved by God not just a problem in your life. And here's the lesson, maybe you wanna write it down. Love may not change the position of the person in my life, but it will change the posture of my heart. It'll change the posture of my heart, how I see things, how I approach things. I don't know if you realize this, but the United States Department of Defense is actually the largest purchaser of explosives on planet Earth. It's true, they are. Interestingly, the second biggest purchaser of explosives is the happiest place on earth, is Disney. With their daily fireworks and Disney World and Disneyland and their parks and events around the world, they're the second biggest purchaser on earth of explosives. And, and it's so interesting that you can use an explosive to sink a warship in battle, and yet you can also use an explosive to cause a crowd to celebrate at evening fireworks. See, it really depends how you use it. It depends how you approach it. It depends how you view it. And your perspective is a game changer. How you view people changes everything. Seeing them with God's eyes as you walk into that workplace, it reframes everything. They become part of your spiritual development program. They might be a hassle. It might be some challenges. But you realize God can be using them to strengthen you, 
to give you a new opportunity, and maybe in some cases to move on and give you a transition to a better opportunity. Sometimes when we change our perspective, God helps speak to our spirit in ways that we would never ordinarily experience in peaceful times. It was author C.S. Lewis that says, God speaks to us in our pleasure, but he shouts to us in our pain. There's some lessons that you would never learn in a peaceful workplace, but when God starts doing a fixer-upper in that room of your life, there's some lessons you can learn, some character lessons you can learn that you'll never learn elsewhere. There's some things that God can do through you when you start to view people in the workplace, even the difficult people. When you start to view them how God wants you to view them, you can become a missionary. God can use you in amazing ways. See, God can do so much when you simply change your perspective and how you view people, even people that have been a problem for you. Well, someone might be saying, well, what about, what about my boss? You mentioned a difficult boss and and pastor, I've, I've got one of those in, in the workplace or maybe in the classroom. Maybe it's a professor that doesn't think the same way you think. They don't believe what you believe. In fact, they're teaching you things that you disagree with and it's making it difficult for you. Maybe you have a boss that you work under that's making your life miserable. Perhaps you do need to move on. If it's an unhealthy environment, you need to get into a healthy environment, maybe that's the case. But at least in this season while you're there, I wanna point out to you 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13 where God's word says, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority. Did you see that? God's word says every human authority. But I I don't believe what they believe. We don't have the same political view. They don't always treat me right. See, there's a lot of things that can happen in a workplace that are unjust. And you should use every just means to help make your workplace healthier. So if there's injustice happening, it's okay to, in the right way and through the right channels, speak about those things. And you should never compromise your faith. If someone asks you to do something that, that is against your faith and beliefs, absolutely, you should do the right thing. But God tells us that even, even though we're surrounded by imperfect authority figures, God asks us to submit to their authority. What's it mean to submit? It means to yield to the power or the authority of another. And even though God knew we would be under, always under in this life, imperfect leaders, imperfect supervisors, imperfect professors, imperfect political leaders, imperfect teachers, he says, yield to the authority, every human authority. Why? It says, for the Lord's sake. See, we yield to people because we're surrendered to God. Why would I surrender to an imperfect leader in the workplace? Is because I'm surrendered to God. That's the only reason I would do it. Romans chapter 13 in verse one, God's word says, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities for there's no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. So in other words, if God doesn't want an authority to be in place anymore, he can remove them. And some of you might be praying for that. God, give me a new boss. God's in control ultimately. And look what he says in verse two. He says, consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. He says, surrender to human authority. Why? Here's the lesson. We honor relationship authority because we are submitted to God's authority. That's it. We honor human authority because we're submitted to God's authority. 
And when you get that in your soul, it will make your workplace relationships, even the difficult ones, that much easier. And I get it. Some of you are looking at a real fixer-upper in your work relationships. You're like, man, you don't know. It's like, it's like your Michigan house, Brandon. Everything's all messed up on every level in every room. It's okay. And God can help you because no matter what you're looking at, See, look, I heard a quote one time that said, no matter what's in front of your eyes, what's behind your eyes is always more powerful. And so no matter what you're looking at as you look with your human eyes, no matter what problems you see or what difficult people you see, listen, what's behind your eyes, the faith in your mind, the spirit of God in your heart, what's inside of you is always more important. And so, so when you place your faith in God and you ask for his power and his strength, he will help you in navigating those challenges in the workplace. And I know it might be difficult. You might be looking at a marriage that is about to end. You might be looking at some friendships that have been ruined and you haven't talked in a long time. Here's what I'm trying to say. No matter what you're looking at, make sure you look up at God and are surrendered to his authority because he has authority to fix and to repair and restore every broken room in your life, even if it's a real fixer-upper. Jennifer and I were out on a date night in St. Petersburg, Florida, about 30 minutes from where we live, and we were enjoying a, a beautiful night out. It was my birthday weekend, and so I got to choose where we go, and it was a lot of fun, and uh, just having a, a real special romantic night together, just the two of us. And we walked around a corner in downtown St. Petersburg toward the end of the night, and it was laid out, and there's still quite a few people on the streets, and we saw a group of three people kind of moving our direction. And, and the one guy was talking in the ear of the other guy really passionately. And this girl, this guy had a, a girlfriend on his arm. And so it was like a boyfriend, girlfriend, and this other dude that was angry. And he's yelling at the boyfriend. And out of nowhere, out of nowhere, he takes the glass beer mug in his hand and smashes it over the face of the boyfriend. And we're like everybody on the street that hears that sound and saw the sight. We're shocked. And the dude was shocked. He was totally disoriented. His girlfriend's trying to cover him. The other guy takes off the other direction. Everyone's just like, what happened? And, and this guy that's there bleeding, blood pouring down his face, he grabs his own beer bottle. He starts pouring beer over his face. I think just so disoriented, probably thinking that's going to stop any potential infection. I don't know, maybe just to wash away the blood, but he's pouring beer over his face. His girlfriend's there trying to comfort him. And it's like, what just happened? And sometimes you, you look at things relationally and you just think, man, this is so messed up. What's going on here on this street is so messed up. What's happening in this home? What's happening in my classroom and my school and my workplace? Like, it's just so messed up. It's a real fixer-upper. But what I want to remind you of is with God's help, with the blueprints, the wisdom, the perspective that God can give you, no matter how much of a fixer-upper it is that you're looking at, God can do miracles. So don't you give up. Don't you live in discouragement because you have victory in Jesus. And no matter what battles you're facing, God ultimately is going to bring the victory. And I want to close with this final verse. It comes from Romans chapter 12, verse 21. It says to you, church, it says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And God, through his good grace and his good power, and his good wisdom wants to give you all the good things that you need to restore and rebuild the relationship rooms in your life, even in the difficult spaces where you work and where you live. 
because God wants to do so much more in your relationships than you can imagine. And he wants to bring you joy and peace like you've never experienced before through his relationship flowing through your relationships. So do you have a fixer-upper? Do you know what room is good that needs to be great? What room is in disrepair that needs to be restored? Whatever it is, let's bring it to God and let's ask for his help and his wisdom. Right on? Right on. Let's pray. Father, we recognize today that you are the foundation of anything that we want to build, of any room in our life that we want to construct something good. We need to build it on the foundation of Jesus. Lord, without your grace, we're, we're in ruins. And even if we can decorate the room and make it pretty, we don't get to stay here for all of eternity. And even if we can make the room a good room and a nice room, in the end, it's corrupted by sin. And so, Jesus, we need you in our marriages. We need you in our workplaces. Jesus, we need your help, your salvation, your saving from sin. But God, also we recognize that the life in this earth, the work in this earth is gonna be a struggle and we're gonna have problems, but you, you've overcome and you give us wisdom to overcome this world. And so God, I pray that you would help us in, in the difficult relationships in our life to rebuild, to make improvements, to look to you and change our perspective, to see people not as a problem, but to see the real problem, which is sin, and approach it with your wisdom. And so God, as we go into this series this month, I pray that you would help our relationships to get better. There would be some changes made, some improvements made in the home of our relationships that we can look back one day and say, God, you really did a renovation. You, you, you made it so much better. And we give you all the praise, God, for what we believe you're gonna do. And we ask for your help right now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Man, I had the best time worshiping and learning with you guys today. We'd love to hear what you thought about today's service. Head over to churchexperience.tv slash connect. Bring your questions, your comments, your prayer requests. Love to hear from you. Love to get back to you. And of course, we would love to be praying for you. If you want some more Church Experience content throughout your week, head over to our social media pages, our Facebook, our Instagram, as well as our Church Experience website and our Church Experience app. Hope to see each and every one of you back here next week. But until then, from everyone here at CE, we'll see you.